would you like to know? Well, you should listen. Zoom. Cron. Week in review. Listen closely. Zoom. Cron. It's gonna help you. Then think for yourself. What the hell happens? I'm gonna tell you. From my in perspective. In the Zoom Cron. In Zoom Cron. Week, week in, in review. review. Right now. Here's an independent journalist, Travis. William, William Skink Matier. Welcome to another episode of Zoomcron Week in Review. I'm your host, Travis William Skink Matier, and sitting in with me is Allie. Hi. Hello, Allie. So we're going to do our best to, to do a good episode. Um, I got a nice, generous $200 donation from a... A person that I don't think actually knew about the work that I've been doing until listening to some of my rants at a, at a local political meeting. Very generous donation, and I want to try and honor the fact that there are people financially supporting the work that is happening here. How that work in terms of reporting local stuff going on on the ground, how that work actually is sustainable, is anyone's guess in this new media landscape. One of the first articles that we're going to be talking about, Ali is local media just keeps getting worse and worse. So remember that that over the weekend article where there was um, a woman that did something not very nice to a man? I actually don't, know. Because honestly, that was like as almost as specific as the article itself was. Let's see. We had what ended up being a stabbing. It was wow. a pretty serious stabbing. Uh, a woman... Ended up stabbing her boyfriend nine times. It was in the jail roster as a deliberate homicide. He wasn't actually dead. So confusing. And the initial reports were so lacking in information. I just, I wonder, does anyone read the Missoulian? People do read the Missoulian, and that would be attempted deliberate homicide. But that's not, see, that's where I get confused. Because I'm looking at the screenshot. Laila? L-A-I-L-A, -A -A, um, Alvarado, she is 32 years old, and she was booked for deliberate homicide, which is a felony, and partner family assault, a second offense, which is a misdemeanor. But he, he is not dead. It's attempted deliberate homicide. If, it, if he were dead, it would be deliberate homicide. So the, the, the fact that we are having a conversation about basic facts is a little troubling, and this is literally, it's been a week now. So it's been a week. There hasn't been a whole lot of additional reporting on this either <laughs> deliberate homicide, attempted attempted deliberate homicide. Someone got stabbed, and it wasn't a good thing, but she got arrested. I don't anticipate much more news coverage either. Why is that? Are we, are we going to have a lot of news well, coverage of the missing people that are showing up dead on rivers and in the woods? I think perhaps the news coverage will be like that of the airport incident last fall. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Someone or was shot the, by the airport. In, I think that was August. August, wasn't it? yeah. Mm -hmm. Or the Clinton homicide. 
Oh, that's right. Or the missing people. So I imagine we would be pretty on par with those. Yeah, remember that 88-year-old woman that was beaten and ended up like mm -hmm. dying? I don't think they even ever got a suspect on that one. Well, it wasn't a threat to the public. Mm, that's right. It was reported in the Missoulian that there was no public safety problems or right. threats. So as you can tell, what we are talking about are serious incidences, even though we might be kind of maybe talking in a way that is not giving it the, the gravity and seriousness it deserves. And that's because we're talking about local media reporting on serious issues and local media, man, they are struggling. That's going to be the topic, Allie, of the City Club event coming up on May 15th. Are you excited? Yeah. I am excited for that. But, but that's a problem that our local media is taking less seriously. So when everything's an emergency, nothing is an emergency. And that is a problem because we've gotten so oversaturated with, frankly, true crime news and all of that. That, I mean, I saw an, another shooting today. and Where it, was that shooting? In Texas. So it, it just continues on and on every single day in a different location, mostly within the United States. There is some other crime of violence, and it's becoming desensitizing. It shouldn't be desensitizing. We should be more concerned, not less concerned. I well, well, here in Montana, what the City Club is going to present, they got a nice title to their event. I mean, it sounds pretty edgy because it's talking about the edge of the desert. Is Mon I mean, that's the title, The Edge of the Desert, semicolon. Is Montana in danger of losing its local news? That's May 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at, uh, what the is it? The Edge of the Desert? I don't know why they're calling it that. I don't. What desert? The, like, the information desert, I imagine they think is being created by shit media. Well... We recently talked about all the layoffs that Lee Enterprises had. I think it was 15 or 16 reporters statewide, six of whom were in Billings uh, for the Billings Gazette. And that's a pretty huge plundering of the local news industry. Yeah, there's no one all to the report. layoffs in, at the Missoulian, too. Well, there's no one to report in Billings that it was uh, just renamed. Uh, it's, there's a new name for Billings, Cartelia. It's a, it's a, what do you mean? It's a magical land that the cartel now runs fully in, in, in total. The so Cartelia, it's, no, you can go visit Cartelia as long as you know the secret handshakes and passwords and you can read the graffiti. You just go to Cartelia and the world opens up. It's your oyster. The number of, of homicides activity. in Billings, even in the last week, is astronom astronomical. And also the number of felony violent crimes committed by youth has spiked quite a bit as well. And that should be concerning for everybody. So one of the things we do need to talk about, and this relates to media and youth, is the Zoe Zephyr show. Okay. So last week we were talking about the Zoe Zephyr show. I was talking about some of my frustration about the national movement and how it's manifesting within our state and our, our local municipality. And you kind of took a more very you know more empathetic individual kind of you know um i still do of course you would still take that position what has changed potentially is more information that we both are getting in the sure. in the past week and so at a at a local meeting we were at there were some attempts to describe in more detail what transpired with the protests one of the things that was a bit confounding is that you and i um 
had to discover that a glove was thrown or multiple gloves, you actually were the one that, that got this piece of information because we didn't hear this on 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 the media. Right. So uh, a couple a couple of people you had checked in with had mentioned this, and I was kind of shocked. So I went to Twitter, started asking around on Twitter because that's what people do in the media world now, new media. And James Conner was able to say that, yes, there was a glove that was thrown. It didn't hit anyone. He didn't think it was a big deal. He saw it in some media report, but he wasn't able to provide a link. This is actually important because as we were at this local political meeting, it was described as a sergeant of arms trying to keep control, being rushed, Zoe Zephyr being asked to sort of stand aside to help de-escalate the situation from the floor. She didn't want to do that. She wanted to raise, get that iconic image of her raising the microphone. Right. And then items fleeing, being flung down from the balcony. And so this was a situation that had to be responded to in order to gain control, unfortunately. Sure. And obviously when people throw things from the balcony, that becomes a safety concern. Um, and so I, I can understand that perspective. To what degree Zoe was, you know, part of specifically orchestrating objects being thrown from the balcony i think that remains pretty unclear i'm not going to pin that on her well zoe did orchestrate a proposal to aaron her now fiance so congratulations zoe nice to see love blossoming in the springtime that that was just happening on twitter i know you're not on twitter ali so you have to find out in real time that zoe proposed to aaron oh okay yeah. And also, I don't know if you noticed driving around town, it's like prom night out there. So it is. It is. I, I, I'm seeing a lot of young teenagers okay. in nicer than normal clothing. And that leads me to believe as a very astute independent journalist that prom is afoot. Huh. So be careful out there. Um, not that people are going to be hearing this at any time to respond appropriately to right. prom tonight, but that's going on. What else is going on besides a woman stabbing her boyfriend nine times and Zoe show other other things happening before we get to um, the next post? So the local media, let's just go back really quickly. Um, there was that incident. Then a SWAT response was over the weekend. And one of the facts that was not reported accurately was the address. Right. So it was um, should be the 2000 block, but it was reported on the 200 block. The name of the woman Making was... Making the neighbors concerned, I'm sure. When, because I took a screenshot of some comments. They're like, hey, I live on the 200 block. It's a pretty nice, quiet Saturday afternoon, is one of the comments that I screenshot. Um, the, the name of the woman was not released, and so I was able to find that um, just by obviously checking the jail roster and making the connection. It, it's just amazing to me, especially when something happens over the weekend, how someone like me is able to get a more accurate depiction before local media can catch up and, and get some basic facts out there. Sure. I do think they are overwhelmed going back to the situation of the layoffs and this is true. a lot of staff leaving or being forced to leave. I think that creates a situation and I'm not going to comment on whether or not that's an intentional creation of that situation, but it's interesting because it becomes impossible to cover in depth any major story. That's the consequence of all of these layoffs. And it's clearly not a, a priority. 
It should be, I think. I think news is highly valuable and important. I mean, there's such a lack of actual reporting, especially as we start seeing tents pop up all over town. And that's going to be one of the stories, uh, multiple stories we have coming up. But before we get to that, there is a a more sort of solidified written version of the Billie Jean conversation that we were having last week. So I want to draw listeners to that. If you go to zoomcron.com, you can check out on again on May 1st. And so May 1st had two posts. Does the legend of Billie Jean have a message for today's revolutionaries? And so some of the, the aspects of the conversation we were having is put into words. It's a pretty good post. It's actually gotten a lot of attention, I think, in, in, in regards to the usual traffic with some of these posts. Um, you, were, you were giving me the T signal. Are you wanting to take a, a timeout already? Yes, please. Okay. We will take a timeout and be back in just a quick second. All right, and we are back. So during break, I proposed a idea, and Ali might be willing to kind of play along, hopefully, because the idea relates to some of these posts that have been uh, put out by myself, and partly this is the thematic, this is within the thematic element of narrative control, something that I am pretty focused on, how you break through the narrative control of power locally, nationally, so, uh, oh, geez, George Floyd, uh, he was a black dude, and he was choked to death by a cop named Derek Chauvin. Maybe this is even more timely since Jordan Neely is a black man who also now is having lost his life because of a, was it Marine or former Marine, retired Marine? I don't know. Can you be a retired Marine? who restrained this man in a subway in New York. So that is kind of blowing up right now. Sean Stevenson, not a story that blew up nationally. He was a black man who was also put in a chokehold, allegedly by Johnny Lee Perry. Sean lost his life when he was removed from life support, technically, by the sheriff's office, who was also the coroner here in Missoula County. So all of this might be playing into this larger idea of narrative control. George Floyd, there's a documentary. I saw the documentary, and I asked Allie if she'd be willing to speak before and after. So before seeing the documentary, and then after seeing the documentary. So it's a possibility. If you're, uh, if you're up for it, Allie, are you up for it? Sure. Well, that's not a very uh, enthusiastic sure. No, I'm up for it. You're not being coerced unduly in any way to watch this documentary, are you? Nope. You attended the BLM rally here in Missoula, you said. I did. What was that like? It was interesting. I think there were, at the time I didn't realize, there were different forces at that particular rally. There were people obviously in support of George Floyd, and there there were people who were posing but not actually security at that rally that day and i realized that later on there was a there was a a person in a mask chased down an alleyway and sort of held was it at gunpoint by some of those fake security or i believe it was at gunpoint one person had a firearm though let me i let me bring that up real quick um continue talking though about what you are familiar with in terms of george floyd the narrative um i mean if you could just I know, I know that you weren't prepared to talk about this, so I'm 
don't want to put you on the spot, but George Floyd. I remember watching the national and local news stories about it, and I remember the BLM rally here at the courthouse and it, the mostly peaceful protests that it was. And it, I mean, I think the incident you're referring to is the only incident that actually happened um, that was even newsworthy. So, yeah, I mean, I think people rightly get aggravated by racial injustice and abuses of power whether through law enforcement or whatever means and i think a failure to follow protocol is <laughs> pretty egregious it can be especially if you're on the victim side of it um so ali thank you for playing along with this and and allowing me to to kind of play this out a bit um when I watched this documentary, there's some elements that really popped out for me. I want to really, really quickly, though, read this article. Um, so this is from the Montana Public Radio, just so that people have some context about what was happening here locally. So this article is from July 24th, 2020. The Missoula City Attorney's Office announced it is pressing charges against a man that allegedly detained a Black Lives Matter protester at a rally outside the county courthouse in early June. 48-year-old Mark David Belden faces misdemeanor charges of unlawful restraint and operating as a private security guard without a license. Hmm. The Missoula County Attorney's Office determined there was lack of probable cause for a felony hate crime. According to the police report, Belden, who was armed and acting as personal security for some protest organizers, stopped an African-American man who was dressed in a hoodie, gloves, sunglasses, and face mask in an alley near the courthouse. Belden demanded an identification and the man refused. Law enforcement say the man turned to leave the situation and Belden instigated a chase. The man was allegedly detained by a group of people until police arrived on the scene. That event sparked a June 14th protest in Missoula, which featured speakers decrying vigilantism and private citizens wielding guns at Black Lives Matter rallies. Uh, uh, and private citizens wielding guns at Black Lives Matter rallies. They also called for meaningful change within the Missoula Police Department including a ban on chokeholds and mandatory anti-racism and de-escalation training, which they have crisis intervention training um, that's voluntary though for law enforcement here in Missoula. Okay, another rally scheduled for July 25th, blah, blah, blah. Um, Mark David Belden is ordered to appear in court on or before July 31st. The unlawful restraint charge carries the maximum penalty of a $500 fine. In six months in jail, the penalty for operating as a private security guard without a license can be up to $1,000 and a year in jail. So that's what happened back then. And we're going to take a pause now so that we can take a viewing of a documentary. And this is um, put out by Miriam Heinium. It's really hard to say her name. She actually pronounced it, and I don't know if I can match that. Maybe I'll try and figure that out before we get back on air, but... We're going to watch this documentary. It's about George Floyd. A uh, lot of things that I had no clue about. So, Ali, I'm interested to see what you think about it. All right. All right, let's do this. And we are back. So, an hour has gone by. Ali, you sat and watched that documentary. And I don't know if new information on the George Floyd situation changes your opinion on what sparked the summer of tearing shit up and burning shit down but um there you have it if people want to check out the documentary i'll put a link in the show notes i think is what they say in podcast land but george floyd 
What'd you think, Allie? Do you have any opinions you want to share? I thought it was an interesting documentary, and I think while it brought up points about other individuals who were doing possibly illegal things, as well as George Floyd himself, I think the core issue was, um, was the use of force by the police reasonable under the circumstances, or was it extreme force? Uh, my viewpoint it seems to be extreme force. And if officers are, are to use deadly force, they must give a warning. That did not happen here. George Floyd did express concerns of recently having COVID, of being concerned about his inability to breathe. The officer clearly had his knee on Mr. Floyd and they did what they could to resuscitate him. I know that law enforcement officers have a very difficult job the film brings up the point that George Floyd has an extensive criminal history. And that is, while that is so, true. I mean, at the time, do you remember um, George Floyd's drug use being uh, part of the narrative and the fact he could have been on some kind of overdose of drugs? And maybe that could have contributed to his death more I, than I have the no knee? doubt, but it, from the documentary I just watched, it seems that the law enforcement was aware that he was on some sort of drug and he resisted going into a vehicle he did and a lot more information is seen in this documentary than was than what was presented to you in mainstream media would you say that's accurate i, I would say that's true i would say to the degree to which the information was objective i guess every every angle has some sort of slant but i think as far as as far as i'm concerned with the root cause of of what's surrounding the incident of George Floyd, it, it really comes down to what was it or was it not excessive use of force by the police. In that particular incident, it didn't, I, I guess it's anybody can judge, although the court has already adjudicated certain law well, enforcement you, so officers you, guilty. So, And you can look at it on an individual case basis, but when we're talking about... Um, you're looking at excessive force, obviously, by law enforcement. Well, there was a corresponding reaction city by city by city of use of force by protesters. And I think it would have been nice if corporate media pr provided a more holistic narrative to the George Floyd situation so that, I don't know, maybe less cities in America burned the fuck down. But, you know... I guess I I can't really choose the corporate media we have. We can just watch it as it fucking dies slowly. A well-deserved death, because what we get is fucking propaganda, um, and that looked like a psyop to me in terms of a situation that developed a Mr. Adam that was involved in a very interesting way. Uh, you know, people that should have been held accountable that weren't. You know, seems seems like a like a fairly standard thing that happens these days. You know, investigations can look at a very slim, narrow slice of what happened, and you present just a certain amount of information, and then you have a shitty outcome. Law enforcement officers deal with frequent flyers all the time, like people who are continually arrested because they are in the steep of severe substance abuse, you know, and there are a lot of repeat, even violent offenders. And so like Todd Spence locally, who had first responders go out to his little island with rising water two times in less than 48 hours. Is it yeah. 
worth the money to continue sending first responders out to save this fucking piece of shit's life, uh, even when he doesn't want his own life saved? Why do we have to keep on spending money for Todd fucking Spence as he's leaving in a tent after he built a two-story mess shack that I had to spend $1,200 to remove, after he assaulted two MDT staff, after he was a non-compliant sex offender out of Helena with an incest charge. Why do we as a community have to keep on spending money for this motherfucker? I think every life matters, but also... That's great. That's so sweet, Allie. Every life does matter so wonderfully, doesn't it? Like the life in the womb and all those abortion bills that our, our mean governor is signing and all the lawsuits. Every, law- every lawyer's life matters too, right? Because you know, they get lots of money, and so they're going to be you know, a lot of good work um, in the law. I mean, just so much great things in our society if, happening. If so, one, much, so much valuable life out there in, in society, isn't, isn't it? Would you like me to respond? Go ahead. If law enforcement refused to intervene or failed to respond to someone who is in crisis, the public would be in an outcry. Or, or maybe the public, like that Marine that restrained the dude that was out of control, maybe then he gets to be targeted because people in the public are starting to have to act because law enforcement is not acting. That was the situation with Jordan Neely that's now c- causing uh, a huge outcry because he was restrained and ultimately died because a bystander put a stop to his out-of-control behavior by trying to physically restrain him. So we are in a situation where maybe members of the public have to do it, but then they're going to get pilloried if, if someone is, is filming it with the camera, someone gets that, that key footage, you know, sitting there recording it instead of doing something about uh, our society falling apart before our very eyes. Again, in use of force cases, is it reasonable under the circumstances if you're law enforcement? Is it, is it adequate to restrain them and not go beyond that? I mean, I don't know, are we talking about the law enforcement, like the sheriff office, who can uh, euthanize a black man in the in a private hospital? I'm I'm specifically thinking. Do they have to follow the law? I'm thinking of the Johnny Lee Perry case, in which he was wielding a machete from what 50 yards away or something, and then the cops ultimately, after using twice or two or three times non-lethal force, then they used lethal force in that circumstance and and the question again is was the use of force reasonable under the circumstances in that particular case i don't think it was in johnny lee perry's case in johnny lee perry's case i don't believe it was at that well you know it doesn't really matter because our local media did a absolute shit job of telling that story to the public and so most of the people in the public here in missoula and certainly people beyond don't even know johnny lee perry's name so but, you know, George Floyd's, his middle name was Perry. Isn't that an interesting coincidence? Um, there's other posts I'm sure we can talk about. Um, I don't know how much patience I have since it's about, like, Zoe Zephyr and other things that I just find triggering. Um, there is a missing person or two missing people that are now found dead in the last 48 hours. So we have that happening in Missoula. It's kind of deja vu. You know, people show up in the Clark Fork River this time of year, I guess. Um, But we do get to watch this Joseph Thompson case develop and compare it to the Rebecca Barsotti case. And this compare and contrast can sometimes inform you how fucked is your criminal justice system? I'm sure you listening, if you're not in Missoula, if you're in a different town, a different city, somewhere in America, you too have cases that show you how fucked your criminal justice system is. Your municipal, your state. 
district. I don't know. There's lots of different jurisdictions that are fucked. Um, should we continue talking about some of these uh, posts and these cases and these examples of fuckery within our criminal justice system? Sure. Uh, what do we got going here? Let's see. Um, I did bring some attention and I made a helpful educational video for people that are interested on how to give public comment without getting point of ordered. I know everyone's talking about Zoe Zephyr and how, you know, let her speak because she was shut down. Well, in February, I made some comments and I had a point of order by Stacey Anderson. And so, um, Ali, you su suggested that I provide an example of the rules so that anyone providing public comment can adhere to decorum. So I wanted to, to piece together some information in this video because Stacey Anderson, it, it was fascinating last week, I believe, to watch her comments at city council as she was talking in great support of Zoe Zephyr and the protests because without the protests, I think democracy may have died in Helena. So the juxtaposition of Stacey's position when it comes to Zoe Zephyr uh, versus me in my comments. And then I, I wanted to, to include that that comment in which I did not get point of order and I brought in a physical object, a show and tell, um, from Todd's meth shack. And so it was nice to show them some of the trash that hadn't been picked up. I, I actually went out earlier in the day um, to get some trash in order to show them what it was like. Uh, I don't know if it was effective, but certainly I was able to speak and not get point of order. So... Nice educational video in that post titled My Apples and Oranges Juxtaposition of Being Shut Down versus Zoe Zephyr. So that was May 4th. What was your conclusion on why you got shut down versus why Zoe did not? Well, I said things about specific people and institutions. And as you pointed out, Allie, there are liability issues. And so by not shutting me down, the city council could be opening themselves up to some sort of reaction by those institutions that I may be maligning. I could have been maligning the sheriff's office when I said they euthanized a black man. You know, maybe that was inaccurate, not factual. Stacey Anderson certainly didn't like the depiction of the sheriff's office euthanizing a black man. I told her I didn't like the action the, the office took to remove Sean Stevenson from life support without his family being notified. But, you know, maybe that's just me. So... Uh, but I did learn a lot about point of order and how decorum is important. So I made sure when I made that comment recently, I explained that despite strong passions, I was going to avoid dumping the trash out in front of them because a janitor would have to pick that up. And I didn't want the janitor to have to pick up that bullshit. So right. um, the other post then we have is a long post. Posted on May 5th, and this is in regards to a missing person case that is now a, I would hope, criminal investigation. I wouldn't know anything about the criminal investigation or anything really about the sheriff's office since I made a phone call to the detective. I haven't heard back. That was last Thursday. Now it's Saturday. So I thought maybe I had some relevant information for the investigating jurisdiction to, to hear, but maybe they just don't care. But anyways, Joseph Thompson, he goes by Joey, uh, went missing early in the, the wee morning hours of April 11th, last seen on the Southside Road, west of Missoula, around 4 a.m. apparently, by some of his pals. They were out, maybe they were partying out in the woods, something like that. Not really clear what happened. Apparently a body was pulled from the river, and this was uh, in Mineral County, so... 
Joey, if this really is his body, his body traveled about 40 miles and was found somewhere between, oh, what was it? The Tarkio boat launch and the Forest Grove boat launch. So that is the area that body, that Joseph's body was recovered by an unidentified citizen who was concerned about his land. I assume it's a he, maybe it was a she. Um, it could be a, a non-binary person as well. I guess I shouldn't just limit it to two genders. We have so many options. Wonderful world we live in. But Joey was identified. And I think that's by the, the crime lab that struggled uh, day after day, week after week to identify Rebecca Barsani. So they were able to, to identify Joseph Thompson Did, very quickly. He won't be for sure positively identified for two weeks is what the... Mineral County Sheriff's Office press release stated, but they ah. had initially notified the family that that it seemed to be him. Excellent. Thank you for that that clarification. Um, other interesting things developing in this case uh, have to do with just comments that are made online and then other stuff that, you know, I can't necessarily get into all of these things, but I did highlight the fact that the lifeguard group could have been involved in searching for Joey. They were not involved. Kind of seemed weird. There's other missing person cases in which they certainly do get involved. And so I wanted to better understand their non-involvement. And so I gave the phone number a call. Tammy Hochalter is the person that answered and proceeded to explain how, well, they search for minors and then, but no, they do search for adults, but it has to do with human trafficking usually. Um, kind of interesting, but Ultimately, the conversation ended because I think Tammy felt that I was quote unquote aggressive in asking my questions. And so I, I let her know that I, I felt I had probably taken up too much of her time. And, and so I ended the conversation. It's, it's kind of interesting, though, because um, later in the week, we were at an MMIW event. So Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Yes. And I ran into a supporter of the lifeguard group, uh, Palsies of Lowell Hochalter. And this guy, he actually told me they are indeed serving victims of human trafficking. So they may actually now have their life house at the Crooked Tree Ranch at the Bitterroot active in serving victims of human trafficking. If that's true, I hope um, the whole cultures, the whole family affair that runs the lifeguard group, I hope they've upped their game in terms of competency in working with that population because from everything I've seen from their videos and well, just from everything I, I've seen, seen and know, little worrying if they are actually indeed serving victims of human trafficking. But Maybe that's why they were too busy and they couldn't serve. Uh, they couldn't help any any with searching for for Joey Thompson. Interesting, though, Tammy does know Joey Thompson's sister. So there may be more to the story in terms of what happened to Joey. Um, not much coming from law enforcement in terms of if there is an investigation, cause of death. I guess we'll just have to wait, like you said, a couple of weeks. But uh, very unfortunate, very sad I hope there are answers for the family. I know, unfortunately now, too many families that are still waiting for answers about how their loved ones have died tragically in Missoula or west of Missoula. So um, in this article, though, one of the things that is linked to is a Rolling Stone article, a long suspected Rolling Stone article that we thought was going to be coming out at some point. And guess what? It finally did. And so the Rolling Stone, it is a national magazine. It is a piece, an investigative piece by, oh, what's her name? Jessica Lucas. And the title of the article, they hired a PI to find missing loved ones. He turned them into YouTube content. Jim Terry, a private investigator who apparently 
likes to find families that are desperate for any kind of help because usually their respective jurisdictions, oftentimes maybe a sheriff's office or some similar uh, authority entity, they're not doing the job according to the family. So they bring in uh, a hired gun, a private investigator. Well, Jim Terry in that situation or in multiple situations, He's done subpar work, according to some families. And so Jessica Lucas decided to wade into the cesspool of Jim Terry's YouTube presence and the cesspool of his mouth and what can happen when you have direct phone conversations with this PI. But a pretty interesting article. Ali, I appreciated you reading it to me um, as we drove. And it's just a fascinating picture of what families have to deal with when there's not competent investigations happening on the ground level. So that's a lot of me talking. Yep, it's an interesting story. And for vulnerable families who are missing their loved ones, they don't have a lot of options to turn to. Our law enforcement entities are pretty oversaturated with the cases that they have. And so they are often not quickly responsive to families, especially in rural areas like Montana. So somebody who is, frankly, a loud mouth and, and somewhat belligerent and willing to find answers and knock on every door, or at least says so, uh, may s- sound really appealing to families. And so I think that is, uh, seems to be what has happened in, in certain of these cases, and that's what Rolling Stone was, was uncovering. Yep, Uh, I wish more national media would come in and uncover more about what's happening in this Zoom town and beyond. And, you know, local media, they're doing their best. But, you know, sometimes the Missoulian has to has to break what's happening, not here in Missoula, but in Bozeman, like this ultra distance Herman Watson. This this guy is some kind of like amazing ultra runner. And through torturous events, he gets to push himself. I, I highlighted a, a tweet just to show you what, what local news is actually covering. So if you're going to Missoulian.com, you're reading Bozeman stories about a ultra runner. The picture is also priceless. This guy, a nice snowy face, you know, staring at you. Um, it's just really frustrating being an unpaid independent journalist, struggling the way I am right now, uh, and just, just to, you know, have basic basic comforts in my own life, um, comforts like, you know, secure housing, that kind of stuff. But, you know, what am I complaining about? At least I'm uh, alive and kicking, unlike some people who aren't. And I should probably be more appreciative of the good things happening, like the donations, um, the encouragement, the the weird facts that do continue just floating up. And, you know, we get to put it into context. So we are blessed, aren't we? Yep. I should remind, remind myself of that more. Um, but you know, sometimes I do get reminded by people like Greg Strandberg of the fact that I'm going through a lot in my personal life and I realize that people are watching, people are watching closely. It's so nice to know that there are people listening and watching because we are trying to have an impact in our local community. That's what a lot of podcasters talk about in their bigger platforms. They talk about how you should go to city council and you should get involved. Well, that's what we're doing and we continue to get involved. I'm even having changes of heart with uh, entities that I've covered critically in the past. And so coming up this week, I will be probably talking about some private security issues and how um, I found some new allies in my conversation about 
chronic homeless encampments and what we can do and what we can't do. There's a lot that we apparently cannot do, according to our local elected leaders. Um, we are showing them else, not elsewhere. What was going to say? Otherwise, we're going to sh we're showing them otherwise. Volunteers are getting together and making things happen. So, more on that will probably be reported next week, and I'm sure a lot of other stuff will be coming up. I'm running out of steam though, even though I have had coffee. So I'm not sure how much other additional things can be discussed, unless there's something. Allie, that you want to talk about or something we are missing or forgetting? Uh, yep, I think we're okay. So we've covered a decent amount, maybe not as long as we usually go, but um, maybe I'll include, I'll, I'll find the audio clip of me giving public comment so you can hear what not to do to get point of order. So if you want to make public comments and you don't want to get shut down by your local elected officials, take heed. Let me be an example of what not to do. Sometimes that's the best I can do is show you what not to do, people. So learn from my mistakes. I will try and do the same, and I will be back next week. Ali, I hope you join me for ZoomCron Week in Review. Thank you for tuning in. There is a song at the end. It is me and a ukulele. So stay tuned for that. Talk to you next week. Hey there, Rupert, it's all right. Take a sip of my Bud Light. Succession plans are going great. Tuck it tight between your legs. Hey there, Rupert, it's a blast. Running round your maypole mast. All the flags of friends are there. Burning with the underwear, oh yeah. Missing persons are a drag. Mayday, mayday, badges sag. Beneath the weight of homeless trash and river water running fast. Missing persons, when they're found, do not assume that they drowned. Even if a river ride is how the sheriff claims they died, oh yeah. Don't just believe the badge, just because the sheriff said that doesn't automatically make it true. Hey there, Mom, I hope you know your sacrifice, it will not go unexamined by my peers, those graduates of more than beers. Hey there, Mom, I hope you see how cruel the month of April can be. Breathing water is a trick, but only after getting fixed. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know what I mean? About the month of April and getting fixed? Hey, the tourists, it's all right. Your hotel is safe tonight. Siren sounds make you think. The bad people go inside the clink. Hey, the tourists, I found out what the ducks are all about. And the shelter they call upon singing duck quack songs oh yeah quack 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 oh yeah quack 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 what does that mean why does he keep on singing all this weird stuff oh man hey there Rupert it's all right take a sip of my Bud Light 
Succession plans are going great. Tuck a tie between your legs. Yeah! Hey there, Rupert, it's a blast. Running around your maypole mast. All the flags of friends are there. Burning with the underwear. Tucker will go somewhere else now. And people will think he's legit. Cause he's been sheep dipped, don't you know? These are tricks. These are tactics. This is a strategy. I wish Tom Hanks was around to take a, take a picture of that bloody glove. Oh, the movement that claims love. I'll keep watching. Keep listening. And please find a way to support independent journalism. Stay tuned for more. Seeing none, those will be approved. Uh, we'll now take public comment on items not listed on our agenda. So if you're here for a general item not on the agenda, um, come on up and give us your name for the record, please. Please keep your comments to about three minutes. This is Matira, Missoula resident. These are just some general comments. Um, I think I finally determined the problem some of you elected officials have with the public. We are not the abstractions you see through the data of your surveys and listening sessions, rendered sterile and manageable through the analysis of your experts. We are real, actual humans, and your job is to represent all the people in your respective wards, whether you agree with them or not. Increasingly, what we disagree about are the core claims coming from the bubbles you exist in regarding the benefits of your policy decisions. Is the local bus system a better service after going free? Is tax increment financing a generally good tool improving the lives of average Missoulians? Are victims of sexual assault being better served by the criminal justice system 10 years after John Krakauer's book? And don't get me started on snow removal. Your answers arrive with the stink of a pandering public relations damage control campaign mixed with fancy consultant speak to impress Jane and Joe Smith into staying home and shutting up about what they plainly see happening on their streets and in their neighborhoods. I'm here as an independent journalist investigating local corruption to let you know you're damn lucky the public isn't paying closer attention because if they were, they'd see how you supposedly cash-strapped officials are doling out the funds left and right if it forwards your agenda. It's easy. So I understand why you use public funds to flex for what you think is the right thing to do. But outside your bubbles, people like me see businesses like the Radius Gallery getting TIF handouts to benefit their bottom line, while one of the owners of that business makes life difficult for people who don't toe the political line in this liberal town. I see how a litigant against a university who was also a landlord ended the rental lease of a council member she didn't politically agree with. I talk to reporters, not Gomer, Kidston, but the ones who have left the state after getting too close to your public-private schemes. I am more than willing to talk to reporters who are still here working about what I know and have with a few, but recently the Missoulians simply lumped me in as one of Scott Billadu's ilk. Is this unprofessional language being used out of a professional laziness, or is something else going on with John Talbot's Missoulian? Hmm. I bet having to deal with the public in person makes you nostalgic for the pandemic days when you got loads of emergency money, which you shoveled out in no-bid fashion with little to no accountability, and you even got to buy a nasty motel for a pretty big price tag, and the dirty hordes just had to stay home and take it. Well, if the resounding no of the crisis mill levy is any indication, the public in Missoula is no longer keen on just taking it, and they made it known. Maybe you think that's a flash in the pan. I think it's just the beginning. 
And when the dam of narrative control finally breaks, maybe the public will finally see the humans you've helped disappear. Humans like Sean Stevenson, a black man who was euthanized inside a private hospital by the public Missoula County Sheriff's Office on January 5th, 2020. Once they see, they will have so, to act. So Mr. Mateer, uh, one of our members has called a point of order. What is the point of order? The point of order is inappropriate. Um, I mean, naming of people, allegations of euthanasia. I mean, completely inappropriate to our code of conduct. Okay. Uh, I'm so, euthanizing so, black people in a town that cares about them. You have very offensive. Back. Point of order. All right, all right, all right. So what we're going to do, we direct the comments at the presiding officer and um, we uh, keep it respectful and uh, we'll move on to general, additional general public comment. Anyone, anyone else in the audience tonight? Hi, my name's Hannah.